Greetings, friends. I'm John Haspel. This is a Dhamma talk from Cross River Meditation Center in Frenchtown, New Jersey. If you find benefit from this talk, please support the restoration, the preservation, and the presentation of the Buddha's Dhamma with your donation at becoming-buddha.com. Thank you. Peace. So we're in the fifth or sixth chapter of the Dhammapada. Um, Matt taught a great class last Tuesday on the, from the Balavaga. This, this chapter is from the Pandita Vaga. The, Bala, the, sub-chap, the subtitle of the last week's chapter is uh, Fools and Foolishness. And the Buddha makes the point um, that uh, a fool, no matter what their association, even though they may be associating with wise people, and now we're talking about people that are actually practicing the Dhamma, will never gain the Dhamma that the Buddha teaches there. Uh, what he what he means by that, and it should be noted, it, there's such a charge that I've noticed, and we even had a discussion about about using the word fool, that it's somehow hurtful or, or too hard of a word. A fool, if you look it up in a dictionary, it just means an impudent or unwise person. And so, in relation to the Dhamma, if you're if you if you insist on clinging to your own conditioned views, and you come to the Dhamma and make it fit those views. The Buddha is declaring that person is a fool. That person is acting unwise and impudent, imprudently in relation to the Dhamma. That's all it means. If there's a charge about the word, it's because of our own reaction to the word rather than actually understanding what the word means and the context of it. All that to say, so we don't get hung up on words, we understand the progression. So the Buddha doesn't leave us there. He doesn't call us all fools and turn his back on us and go and meditate for the rest of his life. He spent his lifetime he spent his lifetime teaching fools how to wake up, teaching the unwise and the imprudent, imprudent how to wake up. That's a hell of a task that he took on himself, and yet he did it for 45 years. It's the same thing we're doing within this Sangha. So, so first he points out what a fool is in relation to the Dhamma, and like all of his teachings, he doesn't leave us there. He teaches us how to escape from our own prison of foolishness. The Pandita Vaga, Heartwood for the Wise. Hartwood always refers to the Eightfold Path. The Buddha's words, it is always beneficial to associate with a wise person who has the courage to point out faults and foolish actions. A person who has the courage to point out faults and foolish actions, that person was first the Buddha, and then he taught us how to do that in a gentle way, but in a direct way within the framework of his Dhamma. It's, it's, a, it's an important aspect in fact, the vital aspect of the Dhamma, that the Dhamma or those presenting the Dhamma point out faults and foolish actions. Why? Because it's the only way to, to develop the Dhamma. Follow those wise as one follows a path to hidden treasure. So again, think about the context, because I always do. Here's a Buddha in his own Sangha, noticing the compulsive human need to change even the Buddha's Dhamma while he's sitting in front of you, into something other than what he's teaching. And so there's many suttas where the Buddha is trying to rein people back in and saying, this is what I teach. You can practice anything you want, you can add anything else you want to it, but you will not be practicing the Dhamma. In that sense, you are a fool. He presented his Dhamma, he made no apologies for it, and he said, if you want to practice it, this is what it is. And again, we do the same thing here. We don't make any apologies for what the Buddha taught, or people might argue with my interpretation or our interpretation of it. 
That's fine. This is what we teach, and this chapter is why. One follows a path to hidden treasure. The wise who teach the truth admonish foolishness and provide true refuge are criticized by the ignorant. I can tell you, it, it, it doesn't bother me at all because I, I get a lot of acknowledgement for the work I do, but you'd be surprised the amount of hate mail that I get for doing something that I think is intentionally not hurtful, but I understand it too because I'm threatening people's beliefs and some people react very strongly to that. It, it's just part of practicing the Dhamma and as students, we need to understand that within our own self. We'll create conflict in our mind when we try to change our minds. We always will. And in something as fundamental as the Buddha's Dhamma, that mind has a tendency to constantly grasp at anything to substitute for the need to change its own mind. The thing that many people forget is why they started looking for something different in the first place. They forget that they needed to change their mind. The wise who teach the truth, admonish foolishness, and provide true refuge are held dear by those seeking heartwood. Abandon ignorant associations. Avoid fellowship with fools. Associate the wise, associate with the wise, and seek fellowship with noble ones. So again, the Buddha is pointing out that we all have a fundamental choice in how we live our lives, and that fundamental choice should be made wisely with refined mindfulness, and it means that we should associate ourselves with wise people, especially within the framework of the Dhamma. But it also means as, our, as we start deepening our understanding of the Dhamma, our lives will naturally become simpler, they'll start calming down, and we will make better choices. I, for one, could, could um, I, I talk about something that many people can reflect on today. When I quit drugs and alcohol, I had to change the people I associated with or I never would have been able to do it. And I've been sober about 600 years now and sober a long time. But, it, but the first thing that I did, and I was, this wasn't my idea, I didn't want to do it, but I was told, if you want to stay clean and sober, you got to stop hanging around with drunks and drug addicts. And I didn't want to do it. But I knew that I had to. The same is true here. If we continue to associate with those compulsively protecting their own conditioned thinking, compulsively protecting their habit, there's no way we can change our minds either. Just like I could have never gave up drugs and alcohol if I kept hanging out in bars and, and putting drugs into my body. We've got to stop what we're putting in. We've got to stop the garbage in if we expect to get something useful out. John, is it, in regards to not associating with the outside world being lay people, isn't it more internal? You're not going to stop going to work or oh, yeah. the supermarket. It's more of a you're not going to react to the unwise. Yes, and that's that practice of in the moment refined mindfulness. Of course, yeah, of course the Buddha is not teaching us to to never interact with somebody who's not practicing the path, that, that he, he showed not to do that. Every day in the Buddha's life, he got up, left wherever he was, and went into town to meet with people. They weren't fools. He's, the Buddha's not talking about people that don't practice the Dhamma are fools. The people that come to the Dhamma and insist on maintaining their views are fools in relation to the Dhamma. And that's what we're teaching here. That's what the Buddha taught. That's what David is talking about. That, this is the focus that it takes in order to utilize the Dhamma to Ram.
it's also a matter of um, just simply not getting involved in debates about what you do. Yeah. Uh, you, you don't, there's not a need to, um, to defend what you do, uh, nor do you really want to become associated with somebody who's, who is um, trying to very strongly defend their own views uh, in order to put yours down. Yeah, you, it goes nowhere. Yeah. There, there's quite a few suttas that, in fact, I'll be teaching one soon where the, the Buddha is debating, it's two, where the Buddha is, tating, is debating uh, Jains or followers of Nataputta Naganta, who was a leader of the Jain sect back then. And he doesn't get into picking apart what's wrong or getting into debate with what's wrong with, with their particular way of thinking. He simply says, this is what we teach. This is what we teach. And if you want it, this is what you can expect. And the Buddha wasn't looking about winning a debate, but he always won the debate because he had something of substance to offer people, not just ideas and concepts. You just have to practice wise restraint like, so you don't engage. Yeah, yeah. To, to finish David's point, yeah. thank you for bringing that up. See, out, out in the world, we maintain that this entanglement, this engagement in the world through our Dhamma practice, through a well-concentrated mind in the moment practicing refined mindfulness. So no matter what's occurring in the world, we don't become entangled in it because we've done, we've done the hard work. We, we've literally protected ourselves from what's occurring in the world in a very meaningful and direct way by gaining control of our minds. Because even if you are judgmental internally, just your thoughts, that's association and that's as harmful as yeah. getting into a Debate. Yes, you bring up such a good point because that mind will look to associate with other people's minds making the same uh, unskillful conclusions. And I mean, I've seen it even within our sangha. They'll group together mm-hmm. to, to give themselves um, a foundation in something that doesn't lack, that lacks foundation. But that's just, that's what human beings, you know, we're herd animals and, you know, we, we're and, and tribal. So we'll always gather with people, like-minded people. The Buddha recognized that too. One of the first things he taught is the importance of wise associations within the Dhamma practice so that we can go out into the world and remain disentangled and unaffected by it. The wise are immersed in the Dhamma and live with happiness and tranquility. The wise are immersed in the Dhamma and live with happiness and tranquility. It's, it's, I mean, that's what every human being wants, isn't it? We just know how to get it. Everybody wants happiness and they want tranquility. The Buddha was the same, had the same thinking. That's why he left the palace grounds to find out if it was possible to establish that in the world in a way that wasn't affected by the ever-changing nature of the world. And he figured it out. And he figured it out this way. He said, we have to understand four noble truths. With happiness and tranquility, the wise delight in the Dhamma in the Dhamma taught by the Buddha. Irrigators direct rivers, fletchers straighten arrows, carpenters shape wood. The wise restrain themselves. That's the essence of Dhamma practice, isn't it? Restrain themselves as, as opposed to constantly grasping after something else to add to this. Something that our other associations might be involved with and talking about how wonderful it is. Maybe so. It's just not part of Dhamma practice. A rock lies undisturbed by the wind. Look at that, that, that picture. 
A rock lies undisturbed by the wind. The wise remain unmoved by praise or blame. Why? Because we know this is what this is the truth. This is what works for us. And so that's why when I get the nasty emails or you know people look at me askance because of what I'm saying, I don't take it personally. But also when they say, you know, John, you're the greatest meditation you've got. I don't take that personally either because I know that all I am is a human being that was fortunate enough to find a way to be a human being. There can be no self-aggrandizement in being a human being, can there? Because that's, that's what I am. There's nothing, there's nothing that separates me from anybody else except a couple of skillful ideas. And I'm just fortunate to have come across them. Like a deep and pure lake, the wise hear the true Dhamma and are perfectly purified. The wise renounce all clinging, including clinging to fabricated views. The wise do not talk foolishly of their desires. In other words, we don't massage our desires. We don't, we don't, within a Dhamma practice, we don't talk about, oh, I want this and I got to give up that. We don't talk foolishly about our desires. We recognize that desire is an aspect of the second noble truth that leads to the whole mass of suffering. The wise remain calm through happiness or sorrow. Why? Because we're not taking happiness personally, we're not taking sorrow personally. We understand that happiness and sorrow are simply one of the things that occurs during a human life. One is indeed virtuous, righteous, and wise who refrain from any wrongdoing for themselves or others. In other words, supporting others in their fabrications. One is indeed virtuous, righteous, and wise who do not, who do not crave for sons, crave for a lineage, in, in their own belief, in their own establishment in the world. Do not crave for wealth, power, or undeserved success. Few people will complete the path and cross to the farther shore. Most will run up and down the near shore. What is that? The near shore. The near shore is, is a metaphor for our own familiar and comfortable mind. We might be involved in, in the Dhamma practice, but we're running up and down the near shore, that which is comfortable and familiar with us. I don't want to jump in I don't even want to put my toe in the water until I know it's okay. How do we know that the Dhamma is okay? By taking true refuge and actually practicing it. That's why the Buddha said, Ehepasika. You have to practice it. But what he was saying is that you have to practice it in the right method. The wise practicing the perfectly taught heartwood will cross the realm of death, meaning ignorance, living a life rooted in ignorance, so difficult to cross. The wise cultivate the Eightfold Path and abandon the dark path born of ignorance. Leaving behind entanglements with the world, the wise delight in their freedom. Abandoning sensual pleasure, free of clinging, the wise cleanse themselves of greed, aversion, and deluded thinking. Those who have fully developed the heart with, who have renounced craving, who now rejoice in pure, in pure detachment, free of the fetters, brilliant in their wisdom, they are called rightly self-awakened right here and now. That's what's in store for us folks in the Dhamma practice. Become rightly self-awakened. We do it ourselves through an authentic Dhamma practice and we do it right here and now. That's an important point there too. This is not a teaching for the future. This is not a teaching that if we gain enough merit or gain enough intellectual knowledge at some point, awakening will be bestowed on us. We're the bestowers, folks. If we want it, we got to work for it. And we have to work for it in this gentle focus that we present class after class. By now, we're six of us teachers, so 
That's today's talk. Let's go online uh, first. Brian, good morning. How are you? Good morning. Good. Thanks. How are you? Good. Thanks uh, for asking. Yeah, I, the the undercurrents in this one for me at least was around developing that concentration, and the concentration begets the wise restraint, which helps with the entanglements, um, and, and then really develops that seclusion yes. to where you're you're just not, and you're okay with it. And yep, it's a very poetic way of walking that path in the sutta so thank you yes and, and it is that direct engagement that makes the dharma authentic to each individual in other words you know we can all talk about how wonderful it is and it's the what the buddha taught and and you know i'm the greatest meditation teacher and we got the greatest teachers and the greatest sangha doesn't mean anything unless you actually practice the dharma and then you'll know and if you don't you'll never know anyway thank you brian uh mary how are you Good morning. Good morning, everyone. Um, this, this, I think Brian summed it up really well. Um, I don't think I've heard or, you know, capital H heard the near shore uh, comparison of, you know, when your, your, your behavior or your practices on the near shore. I think that's interesting. Um, and I think, um, you know, there are times that as you progress in this uh, practice, you know, it gets easier. And there are times as you progress in the practice that it gets harder yeah. in terms of holding yourself accountable and your, be your outward behavior could be something, but your inward intention could still need work. Um, and those are all just the normal things, I think, on the path. So, um, you know, it's it's not for the faint of heart, as we say. This is um, important, um, big work to be done. Thank you. Thank you, Mary. Well said. It's, it, it, it's not for the faint of heart, but it is a practice of ease and joy. So. Steve, how are you? Good morning. Good morning, John. I don't know, thank you. Um, I have a question. Please. Because, yes, it's very important, uh, I agree with uh, Buddha teaching about uh, associated with wise people, uh, even remember have very profound lesson. Uh, when I was age of 10, I used to wrestle, and I used to have coach. He most of them have students uh, around 17 years old. And for me, it was like young kids, it was hard to compete with these people and even training with them. So they tell me, uh, when you grow up between rabbit, you're going to be like rabbit. If you grow up between wolf, you're going to be like wolf, but you have to choose. And this was profound teaching and support career, I understand. And now, uh, when I come across uh, Buddha teaching and we're talking about association with wise people, I understand really deep what you mean. But in realistic life, you have to deal with some different people. And sometimes... And I'm sorry, in, in, in what situation? Just in realistic life, in real life, oh, you yeah. have to yeah. deal with different people, unfortunately. Yeah. And you don't have to uh, place to escape. For example, like I have 
Латка Вокерс у Вэри Эрика and sometimes I start to feel I'm starting to get in some point Эрика too, but I don't have choice to escape. What to do? Wait, wait, wait. That's the right word you're using. You don't, you can't escape, but you can establish a refuge within that chaotic and, and, and conflicted world. That's the point of the Dhamma. So again, we, we, we develop our Dhamma practice so that we can live in the world. We're not, we don't develop the Dhamma as an escape. In fact, if we look at it that way, we're not going to be able to develop it because the Dhamma is an escape. It's a way of being completely immersed in life moment by moment as life occurs without taking any of it personally. That might be a little hard to, to even conceptualize at first, but that's the point. So again, we, we, it, it resolves that issue of needing to escape by, by allowing ourselves to be gently present with life as life occurs, no matter what's occurring. That sound good for you, Steve? Uh, sounds good, but it's hard to do. Yeah, what it, it Mary just said, you know, it's not for the faint of heart, but it is a practice of ease and joy. It might sound like a contradiction, but it has to be taken that way. It does, it, it, it's difficult. Not everybody's going to do it. The Buddha realized that before he even started teaching. He said, this is for those with just a speck of dust in their eyes. He wasn't trying to reach everyone. So, and we're not trying to reach everyone. This is what it is. This is how you practice it. And this is what you can expect. And, uh, you know, and, and it works. <laughs> Thank you, Steve. I'm glad you joined us. And we'll see you on, re we'll see you on retreat. Uh, yes, I have a question. You're going to send some links or how it's working? They're, in, they're all in the newsletter. Okay. Yeah, if you have any trouble finding it, they're, they're right in the top of the newsletter or, and on the webpage, too. If you can't find it, just send me an email. Okay, thank you. Thanks, Steve. Good morning, Matteo. Good morning. Good morning, everybody. Um, so I, what I take from this class is, uh, first of all, as Mary and Brian, I, I like this metaphor of a near shore because uh, I guess it's what in modern times we call like comfort zone. So, you yeah. know, people, they still there, they're, they're fine, but then they don't want to push further. I think a lot of people, they're, they're afraid of changing also. Yeah, yeah. So maybe they, yeah. have, they have the right intention, but, uh, and then I think like this sutra is very important for understand like how is important the Eightfold Noble Path about right intention, right effort, and then of course, right uh, livelihood. Yeah. And uh, yeah, that's it. It is a lot. So what I like for your class when I come here, you never try to sell me a wonderful candy. You told me like how it is the stuff, and then it's good because uh, a lot of people probably they're, they're really uh, it's really difficult to accept that. But it's, it's, that is how it is. So the right effort to go in this wonderful path. Yeah. Yeah. That's beautifully said, Matteo. You know, it, it's uh, I have a blood sugar problem anyway, so I don't mess with anything, any sweets. So. <laughs> Actually, I do. <laughs> Thank you, Matteo. Good morning, David. Oh, I'm good this morning. Thank you. I'm glad you're going to go around this way. Right. Good morning. Good morning. Um, thank you for your teaching. Uh, it's good to hear it. Um, if I don't have judgment, then <clears throat> then my mind doesn't trigger me to go into you know all these other things. You know, if I don't have judgment, then I can you know practice wise restraint. You know, I don't have to judge somebody that would lead me to then. Yeah, you know, take me out of the present moment and want things to yeah. be different. Want things to be different, and then you know, the wise association comes in after you kind of know what you're dealing with. I got, you know, for me, I, I think for me, if that makes sense. 
Yeah, that, that is. That, that, that's pure Dhamma practice. Again, just to re-emphasize the point, the Buddha is not saying if you're in the world and you don't practice the Dhamma, you're a fool and, you know, it, it, it has nothing to do with... The Buddha was really unconcerned with people that didn't want to learn what he had to teach because he knew he couldn't teach something he didn't want to teach. So he didn't bother himself with it. And yet, this is what we do. Thank you, Brett. Good morning, Kevin. Morning, Brian. Thank you. That's a great teaching. And uh, it's, you know, uh, I feel like I am associating with the wise here where there's so many wise comments and such a wise interpretation of this. Um, it's really great to be here. Yeah, it's great to have you here. Thank you. Good morning. Excuse me. Good morning, Adam. <clears throat> Good morning, John. This one really uh, uh, spoke to me very, very personally because yeah. I spent so much time uh, you know, chasing down the big personalities in yeah. Buddhism, modern Buddhism, yeah. and you know all the academics, thinking that was what real Buddhism was. Yeah. It wasn't until I came here that and really started, really actually heard for the first time the Buddha's words. Yeah. Um, I felt the same way. Yeah, yeah. The other thing was, I love that one line in here. Um, this is all I wanted to say. <clears throat> Irrigators direct rivers. Fletchers straighten arrows. Carpenters shape wood. The wise restrain themselves, and the idea of restraining as a practice or something you hone, I think, is absolutely marvelous. You know, it's oh, not yeah. like a momentary shutting down; it's this ongoing thing that you, uh, yeah. are, you have going all the time, and you exercise in every moment. And I think it's absolutely brilliant. It yeah. fills me with joy thinking yeah. about that. Yeah, I think so too. I wish I had thought of it because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it is. Yeah. Yeah. Thank, Thank you, Adam. Thank you, John. Good to see you. See you I'll talk to you soon. Absolutely. Good morning, Tim. How are you? Good. Good morning, everybody. Um, the this particular chapter emphasizes the mind. The everything that the Dhamma is is about the mind. Yeah. The the character. The our present quality of mind, and also uh, depending upon the quality of mind. The, the samsara, the karma. Okay. Well, and, two different things. We got. Um, well, this is the samsara, the ongoing feedback loop. No, it's, it's like it's, okay, well, it, it, irrelevant. I don't want to call samsara. Just the actual. I just want to make the point. It's not the, but it's not. It's irrelevant to this class. Okay. Well, that the the all right, well, I'll just say this then. Well, the near shore and far shore wouldn't that be the near shore would would be the ongoing feedback loop of the process of dependent origination of being conditioned thinking mm, okay isn't, isn't that also called samsara sure and the far shore being the unconditioned or nirvana nirvana right? okay yeah so the the chapter starts off with this the the wise associations uh, how important they are to and that when when there are people amongst that, that you talk to that are insightful and impart wisdom that regardless of ego, it's wise to, to listen, and it's wise to understand, and it's wise to have that association. Yeah. I think that's the emphasis on those first like four or five verses. Um, and I found it interesting that, again, that, they, that this chapter uh, references those worldly conditions of praise and blame as one of them yeah. that, that are mentioned. Um, the other thing uh, that I think this, this chapter really emphasizes that I think that often 
people in, in this Sangha, and even sometimes myself, the emphasis on how hard it is to reach the far shore, the difficult nature of giving, of detaching from the phenomenal world. That's the emphasis on this chapter is, is that this is not easy to do, to really be a, a fully, to fully, to fully engulf into the, into the, the, the practice is very difficult to achieve. And it says this in a couple verses, um, in your words as well. Yeah. And uh, so that to me says that, you know, be easy on, on myself. That yeah, that's why you hear me bike, say it all the time. Yeah. You, you have to be gentle with yourself if you're going to develop this yeah. time. When, when you fall off the bike, right, when you fall off the bike and you fall off the horse, so to speak, that, you know, this is a hard, hard thing to, to, to develop. And it takes time, and it takes a lot of practice. And like, the what was the the, the Buddha's disciple that took for a long, long time before he awakened? Was that it? was Ananda. Ananda. <laughs> so some people it takes a lifetime. Some people it takes a minute. Yes, <laughs> it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. And, and as an individual, we don't need to be concerned about what other people are doing within the Dhamma. We just take refuge in the fact that we that it works and we practice it. You even said something important that it's so difficult. It's so hard even more so to keep it focused, isn't it? Rather than some random practice that we do once in a while or try to make it something that it isn't. It's enough to practice it and just leave it alone. That's, again, that's what the Buddha is saying. Well, and the way the chap- this, this uh, chapter is devised, I mean, that is, the, that is the essence of wise associations right there. Because when you have those wise associations and you do sway away in your mind, it's introspectively, those wise associations will point out to you Hey, well, yes, yes, but you have to be careful who you're choosing as your wise association. This is what the chapter's saying. This is what they're saying. This is what what the Buddha's saying. Another way he's saying this is if you want to practice my Dhamma, keep it pure and just practice the Dhamma. Don't get distracted by all kinds of other things that have nothing to do with the Dhamma. But, John, but that's also why David made his point. The, the fact of the matter is, is that I'll speak to myself, not speak to anybody else. Is I'm going out in the world where there's not wise associations in terms of the, living the dhamma. Yeah, there are people who have no idea, have no spec. Yeah, we talked person. about that, Tim. Mm-hmm. Steve brought it up, and th- th- yeah, well, that, I, that is irrelevant, though, to the how is no, that irrelevant? It's not irrelevant. It's why we practice the dhamma, so that when we go out into the world with people that are less than well focused, less than calm and peaceful. We're not affected by it. We can live. The Buddha teaches that if we develop the Dhamma, we develop a common, peaceful mind no matter what's occurring because we're not taking anything personal, including other people's behavior. So we're not... In order for me to get upset over other people's behavior is because I'm taking it personal. I, I got very tired of doing that when I was about six years old. And I spent the rest of my life trying to figure out how to not do it. It wasn't until I came across the Buddha's Dhamma and practiced it as he taught it, at least as far as I understood that he taught it, that my mind began to calm a little bit. Mm-hmm. And, I re- and I started understanding that up until that point, I was trying to make the world fit a conditioned view that only left me stressed out. Mm-hmm. And so I was willing to let it go. Can, can I say something without being interrupted for one second? Okay. John, are we going over the Dhammapada? And we were going over this particular chapter called the Pandavaga. Panditavaga. Okay. So all I'm saying is, is I'm, I'm em- emphasizing what's being said in, in, in the verses. And I'm just pointing out, I'm not arguing. 
No, I'm, no. Not, I'm not disagreeing. I'm just stating that that David made a point about having being a personal a personal association within oneself. And I'm just saying that when I was reading the chapter, all right, that the the Buddha was saying how why it is important. That's all. I'm not I'm not disagreeing with anything. I'm not arguing with anything. I'm just going over the chapter. Yeah, I understand that. But but Tim, you have to understand my position in this room. When you say something that I feel as the teacher, I, and that that's my role. Please don't take it personal. When I feel that something is said here that may be confusing, my response is not just to you; it's to the entire sangha and even online. Can I ask? So, my, please let me finish, Tim, without you interrupting me. So, when I, when I do say something, please don't take it personal. Please understand it's in my role as the teacher here. When these other teachers are sitting here, it's in their role that they say things like that. So there's, there's no need personal. to take anything personal, but understand that what I'm saying and what I'm doing is I'm trying to teach a pure Dhamma. I'm just trying to wonder what I said that was not... Nothing. If you, if you follow what I'm saying, Tim, you could, I don't know how else to explain it. You, 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 in, in my mind, we're getting, this is getting ridiculous, and we should talk about it personally, because you're arguing with me, and I'm just telling you, in here I want to teach the Dhamma. When somebody says samsara and karma is the same thing, in that moment I just need to say, it's not really. It's important to understand that. So I'm not arguing with you, but when you say something in this room that I think might be confusing to a sangha, I have to call it out. So I think we need to have a conversation one-on-one, though, Tim. So. Well, yeah, we can. I mean, I just, well, we don't, have I, to. I just don't know if, why if I spend my time reading the material, asking questions, and then having you just basically... I'm just reading... I'm just, I just read from your... your... Well, let, let's try this. Let, let, you can, I, I, I send a newsletter out so people will review mm-hmm. that, what we're talking about. You don't need to bring notes in and compare it line by line. Either you learn something from that particular chapter... Or you don't, and if you're confused or have a question, bring it here. And you might say something like, I take it that samsara and karma are the same, that's the same as being crossing the shore. And I, as a teacher here, say, wait a minute, that's not right. Well, I asked so, you to again, say that one, Keith, Tim, if you're going to bring something up in class, you have to at least afford me the opportunity to, not, to respond I'm not, to I'm it. Not, I'm, not, I'm going to stop right here, but I'm not, I'm not, I'm not questioning that. I asked you that. I asked, is it the same thing? And you said no, and then moved on. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm I'm so, I have to apologize for the whole song. I'm letting this go way too well, far. Well, I'm just talking about this. We're talking about wise associations. That's all. That's all I was at. Okay. That's what okay. You're, you're pushing back on. Okay, Tim, I, let, let's let's stop this right now, okay? Yeah. I'm, I, and I'm not going to engage in this kind of back and forth anymore. If it, I, I, I'm going to say it this way. It might sound incredibly arrogant. This is what we teach here. And and I think you... John, mean, I've been coming here for a long time. All right? And... I come here prepared, and I'm very respectful. You are. You've never been disrespectful. You're not letting me get a sentence in edgewise. So, you know, that's fine. It's okay. Okay. You're okay? I'm fine. Good. Is the rest of the sangha okay? Yeah. I mean, I'm sure there's a lot of tension in the air. Mm -hmm. Sometimes this is what happens in a a well-focused sangha, and sometimes it's it's the teacher's role to keep things as focused as they possibly can. So, you know. Thank you, Tim. Good morning, Tom. Uh, good morning. Um, it's a beautiful teaching, and thank you for, for uh, sharing the conversation. And I appreciate the comments made. Um, today's my 60th birthday. Ah, this, happy birthday. Thank you. This, uh, this uh, being here among you and the, and the teaching seemed especially prescient, so I'm going to reflect on that. Thank you. Boy, I'm glad you came today. What an auspicious day. Good morning, Ron. Good morning. 
Yeah, with with Adam, I <clears throat> I always like it when the Buddha gives these similes, and, and this one of the the irrigators and the carpenters and the fletchers, um, and then he says the wise practice restraint, and it it's not only how we become wise. Yeah. Uh, it's also is how we recognize the wise as as practitioners because we see them practicing restraint yeah. um, and we see that basically the Buddha is talking about the virtuous factors here yeah. this is where where that restraint becomes visible to uh, to those who are who are looking for the wise yeah and again, that's all you, you hear me say it all the time here. The Dhamma really comes down to wise restraint, being present for this moment for our life as our life occurs. And the only way we can do that, that I've learned through the Buddha's Dhamma, or maybe there's other ways, is through jhana meditation and incorporating the Eightfold Path. And anything outside of that really is probably not going to work. So. Um, anybody online have anything else to add? Anybody here? All right, we. Uh, uh, our retreat's coming up, uh, begins next Friday. All the info's on the website. Um, I know it says uh, email me just to reserve your space, and I, I appreciate it if you continue to do so. But also understand if I don't get back to you, uh, if you sent me an email, you're registered. Just join us on retreat. We, we would hope that when you can, to join us here in person, but if, if not, join us online. Um, we're going to have one more class uh, next Tuesday before that. And then after our retreat, I'm going to start addressing some of the things that Tim brought up today and, and just the general conduct within our Sangha. And, and uh, in the past year and a half, we've lost a little bit of our focus and we're going to, we're going to regain it. So um, I think, does anybody have anything else to say? There was another announcement I had. We'll finish with Meta as we always do. The Buddha's words on metta from the Karaniya Metta Sutta. This is what should be done by one who is skilled in goodness and who knows the path of peace. Let them be able and upright, straightforward and gentle in speech, humble and not conceited, contented and easily satisfied, unburdened with duties and frugal in their ways, peaceful and calm and wise and skillful, not proud or demanding in nature, let them not do the slightest thing that the wise would later reprove. Wishing, in gladness and in safety, may all beings be at ease. Whatever living beings there may be, whether they are weak or strong, omitting none, the great or the mighty, medium, short or small, the seen and the unseen, those living near and far away, those born and to be born, may all beings be at ease. Let none deceive another or despise any being in any state, let none through anger or ill will wish harm upon another. Even as a mother protects with her life her child, her only child, so with a boundless heart should one cherish all living beings. Radiating kindness over the entire world, spreading upwards to the skies and downwards to the depths, outwards and unbounded, freed from hatred and ill will. Whether standing or walking, seated or lying down, free from drowsiness, one should sustain this recollection. This is said to be the sublime abiding. By not holding to fixed views, the pure-hearted one, having clarity of vision, being freed from all sense desires, 
is not born again into this world. Thank you all for a wonderful class this morning. Peace. Thank you for listening. I rely on donations to support the continued restoration, preservation, and presentation of the Buddha's Dhamma. If you find benefit here, please consider a donation at becoming-buddha.com. Thank you. Peace.